Welcome to the Quick and Deep Healing Podcast, your odyssey to the vast world of holistic healing methods. I am your guide, Healer Nora, and I am happy to share this journey with you. Okay, here we are again, and we are diving deeper with the JD into the world of authenticity and what makes a fulfilled and happy life. Uh, I was just saying to JD that uh, that answer in the short episode kind of like made my head explode because it was like so many layers intertwined together and I could see that uh, there is so much knowledge and uh, wisdom behind those words. So let's continue. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the practical way of balancing these 12 habits in people's lives like where do you if you get a new client where do you start with you you always start in the mind um so um you know again the 12 habits to me are in a circle and the four realms start in the upper left the mental habits the spiritual habits the physical habits and the practical habits and i go counterclockwise because Although we live going forward, we learn in reverse. All learning is in reverse. And we have to unlearn things that we thought we knew. We have to unlearn bad habits and learn new habits. It's kind of like a computer. We have to shut down, reload a new software, an OS system, and then reboot. And so therefore, all meaningful change first begins inside the head before it can go anywhere else if you don't believe in yourself if you are filled with negative self-talk if you are constantly angry or fearful you know you're not going to go anywhere and so it has to begin in the mind and it has to begin with first becoming mindful which is the first habit or one of the key habits be mindful And then be present, another habit. And people don't quite understand the difference between mindfulness and presence. And I'm going to say it. Being mindful is internal. It's inner game. Being present is external to the outer game. You cannot be present to you and and what's happening around you in your work or in your family or in your country or state if you are first not aware and present, you know, in your inner mind. In other words, the mind is running at 38 trillion operations a second, a million times more powerful than my MacBook Pro. And it's constantly sending electrical impulses to 100 trillion cells, and it gets blocked. The The, the flow of information in your, brain, in your brain and in your body gets blocked, as I said, by these seven major wounds fear, blame, shame, guilt, persecution, betrayal. And we all have those things. And so you have to begin in the mind. And and when you have a negative reaction, a negative emotional reaction, we all have them. You get angry at your child for leaving the shoes laying on the floor, which I did. And then I realized that I was saying, I was yelling at him because my father yelled at me, Because after he picked up all his shoes, all my shoes were laying around the floor. And I realized that I was just perpetuating a wound of my father yelling at me so that then I yelled at him. 
you know. Another um, terrible wound I had was that I felt embarrassed one day when I walked in my house as a child and I was, um, I had two friends behind me and there was my old mom in her pajamas, thoroughly looking embarrassing to me. And 40 years later, my wife comes out in front of some person in her pajamas and I scream at her. And I was I was screaming at my mother from 40 years ago, not my wife. You see, so so when we have a negative emotional reaction, we get angry, um, frustrated, we resist, we deny, we argue. There's something wrong inside us. And so we have to go into the trauma. We have to go into the wound. That's the first place to start. And yeah. it's the hardest place. It's for, for healing what needs to be healed. And very often we are not healing even our own stuff. Like you said, we, are, we have picked it up from, from our childhood or... Well, or so we, you know, we call those family legacy wounds, right? And we all have family legacy wounds. And we now know that the, that the program, the memories can get passed from generation to generation, from mother to baby in utero. We've scientifically proven that. Yes, yes. And how about beliefs? Because we also uh, learn to believe certain things from our parents or our, and our environment. So the mindfulness also, uh, you also think that it's uh, it's learning to become more aware of your own belief system and about what you believe, what you can do or how the world is and so on. Absolutely. This is a major source of conflict. So I call it our original download. Um, <clears throat> when we were born... All of the knowledge and wisdom and information culturally, socially, historically, politically was was transferred to our cells and our DNA from the time we were born. And the constructs in place at the time, the political constructs, you know, women, men, sex, environment, whatever it is, they create paradigms, which is a belief system and these paradigms come with labels and then we use those labels so so i'm going to use terms that are like opposing each other which is called dualistic thinking it's either black or white it's either gay or straight it's either left or right and republican or democrat or make money or save the planet you know and and these are false Um, statements. The reality is not dualistic one or the other. Reality is is in between. But the paradigms which create the labels, which is a program we then live by. And so now flash, flash forward 20, 30 years, there's a new set of constructs and a new set of paradigms. And there's new laws and new rules. You know, the planet didn't have, you know, it had a, a billion and a half people A hundred years ago. Well, now it's got eight billion people. We had plenty of water before. Now we don't have plenty of water before. You know, you can go on and on and on. And so as the belief systems change from generation to generation, there becomes conflict between the generations. And that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing a convergence of big, big things that are forcing this. And I'm going to tell you what the, the way it always works is the new paradigm will always win. Hmm. And the old paradigm will always fight to resist and change. 
And so if you're suffering and caught in this intergenerational paradigm shift or the paradigm shift between business, people, planet, or or religious beliefs, political, sexual, gender, orientation, women's rights, or whatever, it's creating a source of conflict from you, and it's not your fault. You have to relearn. You got to rewind the tape and ask yourself, where did that belief come from? What was the facts at the time? Because the, the chances are you're, you're, you're running your life on an operating system that is now outdated. Exactly. And now in this world, when we are like developing so fast with all the technology and everything, like I think even me, who is fairly young, I'm so already so outdated. I have to learn like all the time to think differently. And, and it's a, it's quite a challenging job to keep yourself updated, I would say. <laughs> But uh, how about then? Like uh, when when a person is uh, on on his or her trip towards the authenticity Uh, the, you start with, with the mind. You go through the paradigms, the beliefs, the the kind of uh, triggers, whatever wounds there are. Don't And what talk. happens? Yeah, what happens after that? Well, something very interesting. I call it DBU: Discover, Believe, Use. All of a sudden, early on in the journey, you discover things about yourself that you didn't know. You discover that you've got some gift, some absolutely amazing gift. Maybe it's to negotiate. Maybe it's to paint or create. Maybe it's to write or whatever. And you've been using it your whole life. And you didn't even realize that this was one of your superpowers. But you don't believe in it yet. You've discovered it, but you don't really believe it. And the next thing that happens, you've, you've got to believe in your your powers and passions and gifts, which requires confidence. But then the third step is the hardest step, and it happens halfway through your journey. You have to take a leap of faith, and you have to use your gifts and powers. And this is where most people stop. So they've 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 gone through the Be mindful, be present. They've gone through habit, open your heart. They've gone through habit to um, be vulnerable and conquer your fears. And now they've discovered their powers and passions. They're halfway through the habits. And now they're starting to come into the outer game, the real world. And they got to start talking about or using their talents. And it scares the beekeepers out of them, which is why it takes a leap of faith and confidence and that's where most people stuck get stuck and what do you do for people to help them go over this kind of terror barrier that they i push face? them over the edge <laughs> <laughs> no, um you know it's a little different uh you, you know i'm a different kind of coach i mean i was a corporate ceo and advisor to billion dollar companies i was a champion athlete and i'm trained in psychological and coaching methods. And so sometimes people just need a lot of love and support and encouragement. Then there's other people where they need a firm hand and accountability, you know? And then there's some people where you got to be like the coach or the military officer and say, 
you need to march. Let's go. You, you know, and I'm going to take you to the edge. We're going to count to three and I push them over on two. <laughs> you know, everybody's a little different. Yeah. And, and I um, think as a coach, you really need all of these qualities because on, on a certain moment, everyone really needs the push. Otherwise, they are not able to do it. There's very, very few people that can make the leap of faith without someone there supporting them, encouraging them, believing them, and letting them know it's going to be okay. But it's an absolute, you know, I call them spiritual initiation. Spiritual meaning something invisible. You know, just like we have rites of passage with raising children or in, in a relationships, we have rites of passage, invisible things that we have to do. And taking the leap of faith is one of the absolute must-dos. Yes. And what happens after that? Your your client either takes the leap of faith or you push him to take it. What happens after that? Uh, normally they fail. Okay. Because, you know, failure, winners never quit and quitters never win. You're yes. not going to get it right the first time. You know, maybe you're going on a direction or a path between northwest and you know northeast and you're going in the right direction but you haven't quite figured out how to do it and so you try something and maybe you have some success but not a tremendous amount or maybe none and what happens then is the majority of people in the world will then quit but then now you're a quitter and you're a failure well failure is not a word in my vocabulary have i not been successful many, many times, but I refuse to quit because it's a lesson. Every time you fail, you just learned a lesson on how not to do it. So now you get tighter and tighter and you make it better and better. I mean, I've been working 20 years, 10 years on my journey, 12 years before I wrote the book, 13 years before I had any coaching clients, 15 years before I built the Messenger Institute, 20 years now before I, I've got the 12 Habits of Authentic People. So I feel like my life is just beginning. Now, I'm, that's a little unusual. You know, mo hopefully it doesn't take most people 20 years. But I will tell you, if you look at some of the greatest achievements, whether it's Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, these authors, they took 20 to 25 years to produce that work. If you look at Apple Computer, you know, they were failing and Jobs got fired from Apple. You know, it took 20 years for Apple to become what it has become. You know, Sam Walton, I don't know if you know, Walmart stores, these giant, yeah. you know, biggest grocery stores in the world. Some interview... 25 years later, asked Sam Walton, how did you become an instant success? And he said, it only took 20 years. You know, he had one little five and dime store and then two, 20 years before that happened. So don't believe these people that are promoting instant success and short-term gratification, which is why you've got to do what you love. If you're not doing what you love, and loving what you do, you lose energy, you lose passion, you're not authentic. Exactly. Amen. And uh, I love this uh, saying, I think Bob Proctor said that, uh, that the 
the rocket uh, fails itself to the moon because it's constantly out of the course and it's uh, like correcting it on the way. So it's not going like, even though it looks that it's straight, but it's constantly like going out and then correcting and going out and correcting. And this is the same path. When when we start something, we are not sure how it's going to happen. We're not sure what are the right things to do, but we learn on the way as we grow into the role or into the person. So, so you're, you're bringing up a very important point and you're so astute, you probably would have asked the question, but one of the most important things to begin the journey, even before you start working on the mind, is what is your target? What is your dream? What is your intention? What is the goal that you want? Do you want to to be successful? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be healthy? Are you in a relationship or a job that you want to get out of? Um, what is it that you want? And you've got to create that intention and po- a positive intention, not what you want to get away from, what you want to go towards. And so I say, fill in the blank. When I do blank, I am happy and loved and in, and energized. Fill in the blank. What is it? When I'm outside hiking, when I'm writing, when I'm on a stage speaking, when I'm raising my children, when I'm sewing clothes, when I'm painting, what is it? Fill in the blank. Now, how do you turn that into a vocation? You know, start with a gig, you know, side gig job, make it a hack or whatever. A lot of the great entrepreneurs that I work with and CEOs, they all started something just because they love doing it. You know, this one guy, his wife loved fitness. And so he encouraged her to start fitness classes. And then he encouraged her to sign other people up. And then before you know it, he encouraged her to get a gym. And now they got a whole chain of gyms, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then it also kind of comes naturally because it's something you really love. So you want to do it anyway. It doesn't feel like a job anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about money. Um, If you're trying to chase money or attachments or fame or fortune, you're going down the dark side. I guarantee you, you will crash. Whether you crash in three years or 30 years, you will crash. Yeah. And um, you will will realize that you went down the wrong path. Exactly. How about your own own journey? Like, um, would you like to share a little bit about the the time when you had the near-death experience where you went to the tunnel, mm. how how it kind of felt, how it affected you and kind of what did you realize in that moment? So, you know, I'm a left brain nuclear engineer math major <laughs> and I was a corporate executive advising prime ministers and sultans, leading the ExxonMobil merger shell outsourcing around the world. And um, when I broke my neck, I left my body. I flew out of my body. I went through a tunnel. It was the most beautiful thing. I could see it like it's yesterday. There was beautiful, like, like, like a light. And then as I got closer, like it looked like doors opening, like a gateway. And I'm not making this up. You know, I'm not creative enough to make this up. And as I went through one gateway, another one opened and another one and the colors changed. It went from like 
sort of black to purple to fuchsia to orange to red and then to white. And then as I went through the last one, that's it. That's that's all I remember. And um, when I recovered from surgery, they did two surgeries, one on my um, hip to take bone out and another one to put it, you know, there's a nice scar here. You can maybe see and they put it, they put my neck back together. And um, like I said, it took me six months to learn how to walk and talk and chew gum again. And, and I started experiencing strange phenomenon. I had dreams uh, of things to invent. I had dreams and visions of things that happened in the future. Uh, one day I had a, 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 like a vision of a funeral. And three days later, I walk around the street and there was this funeral. And then, um, um, so I was, I was scared. Uh, and I thought I was going crazy. And so I had to discover, I had to prove to myself through science and math and physics and philosophy that I wasn't going crazy. Hmm. And so I just started researching these things and discovered there were many people that had created inventions like this. And so, you know, I wrote a book in 12 days. And when I was done, or 11 days in May of 2012, and when I was done, my wife said, what have you been doing? I said, I think I wrote a book. And she said, what's it about? I said, I don't know. I I, I haven't read it yet. And um, I just saw the words. And I, if I stopped to think about what the words were, the words stopped. And so I just literally was taking like transcription, honest to God, uh, you know, swear in a Bible, whatever you want. I'm not making this up. And um, and then it was a number one bestseller needed almost zero editing. Um, and um, so you I were am, like the Mozart, but writing because exactly. Mozart also channeled his music. He, yeah, he heard music. He didn't yeah. write music. See, I discovered people like this. You know, yeah. Walt Disney saw Epcot in a dream, in a vision. Peter Max, famous painter in America, watches his hand painting, not knowing what it's doing. Um, all, all many, many of my entrepreneur clients, they've invented their businesses, a manufacturing business from a dream. I, I created, created games that were multi-million dollar contract because I saw the game in a dream and it wouldn't go away for seven days. I was like, kept waking me up. And, uh, so then I finally made the damn thing to leave me alone, you know, <laughs> <laughs> And um, same thing with the television show, whatnot. So these entrepreneurs, they've invented products. Um, one of them invented the perfect push-up, which was like a $100 million business. Another one invented um, a, a steel business. Another one, an engineering business. Others are artists. You know, these are, you know, we all have invisible gifts to see, hear, feel, know, invent, create things like that. Yeah. And because uh, our brain, which is so powerful, I said this 38 trillion operations a second. What, when we learn these techniques to do yoga, to meditate, and we heal our wounds, we're starting to open up all the neural network connections in our brain. And we're the, a powerful supercomputer tapping into knowledge and wisdom. It gets very exciting. But yeah. anyway, I, I had no intention of doing what I did. I was just trying to help myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you think, because uh, personally, I believe, and I know many people uh, do share this opinion with me, 
that things always happen for a reason. So do you think that this accident and what happened after that, it kind of was there to to make this transition for you to hop hop on uh, to another frequency in your life or... Yeah, that's a great question. I love your questions. You're a very good host, Nora. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so I got into ac- accidentally, by chance, coincidence, whatever, numerology, and I and I had my numerology done, and it blew me away. And then someone offered me astrology. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't looking for these things. I didn't want to be a coach. I wasn't trying to write a book. There was no intent. These things happen. And so first is you're open to receive. Just say, one of my favorite sayings is just say yes and choose the best. When you say no, you stop the flow. Just say yes and choose the best. When you say no, you stop the flow. Another one is be open to receive. Be open to love. Be open. Say that to yourself. I'm open to receive love. I'm open to receive guidance. I'm open to receive ideas and inventions that serve my highest and greatest good. These are powerful things. So, oh, I forgot. I was about to say something. I forgot where I, I was explaining something. You were saying about astrology and numerology. Something. Oh, thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, so I was open to receiving. Somebody offered me um, astrology reading. And I was like blown away that the astrology reading, totally independent people who not, not one of them's a, a software program. The other one's a person doesn't know anything about me. They say the same things. And they all said what I was doing, that I was here to be a messenger, which is my name, my birth name, that I was here to expand awareness, that I would create teachings and writings for humanity. Right. I mean, you can't make this up. <laughs> Yeah, you can't. But it's really funny. It's always there. Like when you look at it. So yeah. so you are here for a reason. You do have a purpose. And it's completely unique to you. And your journey is to discover your true authentic self and your true purpose. And when you do, you will be happy. You will be healthy. You will live longer. It's about being of service to someone else. It's not about more toys or possessions. And it's the middle way, you know. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's very, very beautiful. And and how do you see during these uh, 20 plus years that you have been on this uh, journey? Um, is this movement growing bigger? Are people really looking more uh, to become authentic? You keep asking great questions. I, uh, you know, we haven't talked, folks. If you're listening to this, we we don't plan anything. No, we go uh, with this the young lady is very sharp. You're <laughs> you're asking very insightful questions. Trust me, I've I've been on hundreds, five hundred shows myself, and um, so the answer is that in 2012, you couldn't talk about these kind you couldn't talk about mindfulness or presence to business executives now every one of them does that they bring in mindfulness and presence coaching you couldn't talk to people about some eastern techniques like meditation or yoga they thought it was something weird you couldn't talk to them about astrology or numerology and so in 10 to 15 years 
there has been a massive expansion and openness. And I I give a lot of credit to the Gen Zs and millennial generations, you know, people between 20 and 43 years old, which are going to be 75% of the workforce and are, are or will soon be all of the next generation of leaders. You're born with a different paradigm. You were born with different constructs. You were born not looking at people and seeing black or white or yellow. You see a person. You were born thinking about protecting the air and the water. You are the most awake generations in the history of humanity. You have seen and know more in your short lifetimes than any generation before you. And therefore, you are more knowledgeable, you're more open, and you're now becoming a major force in the workforce, and you're leading the changes. I'm sorry to say, but my generation has broken the place, and your generations are going to have to fix it. And that's part of what motivates and inspires me the most. I love my youngest clients. You know, I've got clients that are 20, 22, 24, 26, starting and building their lives as an entrepreneur right from the get-go, doing amazing things. They're fearless. Wonderful. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that because also in Finland, I can see the same thing, that the younger generations are completely different from the older ones. So there is hope. We can do it. <laughs> there is hope. We got to get those old guys out. Old guys, actually, in the United States, it's mostly a bunch of old white men. And I'm sorry, but they, you know, I don't mean to offend, uh, you know, I'm an old white man, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but we have a different set of paradigms and beliefs and filters. I don't like seeing women being suppressed and women have been suppressed for thousands of years. And I don't like that. You know, women are very powerful. They're great leaders. They're great teachers. They've been raising our children and family, not to sound maternalistic here or whatever, But, you know, women are more sensitive and um, they're more open. And there's a lot of things. Now, unfortunately, most women that I see, they don't have the same amount of willpower, discipline or courage. They're afraid to take the leap of faith, you know. So the, I'm, I'm giving generalizations here, which, you know, are never good. But so there is the masculine and there is the feminine. And both the masculine and feminine together create the whole, you know, person. Exactly. And, and we are and we are coming. Called it's called Shakti and Shiva, and that energy runs up your spine. Yes. And we are coming to the time when uh, men can also find their feminine energy and the women can find more their inner oh, yeah. masculinity. You know, so finally, we are not so dualistic anymore than in the past. You know, men were raised, oh, you can't show emotion. You can't cry. Those are signs of weakness. That's a bunch of baloney. Yeah. You know, crying, the women love it when men cry. <laughs> yeah. The women love men who are sensitive, you know? Exactly. And in, in my relationship, I, I have to say, I have a perfect soulmate here. But sometimes, like, I feel that he's the more emotional part of our our relationship. Like, I really love it because I feel that uh, we intertwine in many ways because we both are in our inner kind of balance of the masculinity and femininity. So it's very wonderful. I love it. Uh, so how about, do you have any last word, something you would like to kind of 
bring this conversation together that you feel that is missing at the moment? Well, um, the word is integration. It took me more than 15 years to realize that the secret to balancing all of this so that you don't take 20 years like I did is to integrate. Now, what do I mean integrate? I mean, you integrate the mental work and the spiritual work and the physical and biological work with your outer game, practical work all at the same time. And, and so that's why I've got a, a, a retreat coming up this year and next year. It's, it's limited to very few people. Um, it's on my website at the messenger institute.com. And um, in that retreat, we're doing six days and we have all natural food, no alcohol. We do breath work to open up the mind. We do yoga to activate the energy and meridians. We do hiking in nature, sauna, cold water plunge, intellectual talks about energy, healing sessions, uh, meditation sessions, group sharing sessions. So when you when you begin this journey, the mistake most people make is they'll spend five or 10 or 20 years just on the mind. Well, then they're never going to get any. They're only going to get so far. Or they do all the spiritual la-la-woo-woo stuff. And I love the spiritual la-la-woo-woo stuff, but they don't get anywhere. Or they do the mental and spiritual and never get to their body chemistry. You've got to balance your body chemistry. You've got to have the right nutrients. You've got to drink enough water. You've got to get your body pH to neutral, you know? So you need more chlorophyll or greens or celeries or cucumbers and less soda or coffee. You know, your body chemistry has got to be right. And it goes all the way back to what I said in the in the beginning. What is your target? I see so many people and work with so many people for so long, sometimes one, two, three years before they can answer the question, what do you want? Who do you want to be? It's like they've lived their whole life and never realized that they have the power to choose what they want and who they want to be. And they have the right to dream. They have the human spiritual right to dream. And so the challenge becomes the faster you can do all of those together and integrate the journey, you will have exponential results. Exactly. Wonderful. And uh, if people want to work with you, they can go to your webpage. You already told that, but what other channels do they have to find you? Do you have uh, some uh, YouTube? Or... You know, I've got a YouTube channel, JD Messenger. I'm on LinkedIn, JD Messenger. You can contact me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a Facebook page. Uh, I don't I don't have a X Twitter account. I, I deleted that when Elon Musk turned it into X. Uh, I just don't support some of that. So I got rid of my Twitter account. But anyway, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and of course, the messengerinstitute.com is the best way to contact me. Perfect. And uh, the listeners can find the, the links in, in the description box. So go and right, check it out there. Wow. Wonderful. Thank you very much for this super interesting episode where we kind of dealt with a lot of stuff in a short time. And uh, who knows, maybe we will do a a follow-up of this (laughs) uh, podcast and bring it deeper. 
thank you very very much for joining and thank you for the listeners i hope you found found a lot of value and uh, have a wonderful morning day or evening wherever you are good thank morning you. good evening or good night thank you <laughs> very much nori you did a great job I'm you grateful. too thank Bye-bye. you very much thank you for tuning in because I am here to help you on your personal healing journey, don't hesitate to contact me on www.healernora.com.